This is the Oddball Show, a podcasting collaboration from JP Live Productions and Oddball Magazine. Greetings, all you Valkyries and Venomous Villains. This is indeed the Oddball Show, broadcasting live from an undisclosed location beneath the Blue Hills. My name is Prof. I represent the multimedia Goliath known as JP9 Productions, and I'll be playing the helmsman on this fantastic voyage. Before we get to our illustrious guest this morning, let's re-meet our rack of oddballs. Recently returned from a transatlantic romp, he's the founder and editor-in-chief that puts the DBA in Oddball Magazine. A poet from another planet, please welcome Mr. Jason Wright. DBA. That good? That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what is that? Doing business as like that's yeah you're a business doing business as I was like douchebag as what's he calling me here as founder and editor in chief oh yeah I am doing business as uh, Oddball Magazine welcome buddy I just got back from Paris yes and boy my arms tired my yeah I mean my (laughs) I I had a great time doesn't make thanks for asking no I mean I did I had a great time. Well, actually, let's. Well, you should talk about that a little bit, especially in our second half of the show. Your your trip to to Patty. I um, I wrote a lot of poetry. I went and hung out with Hemingway. Awesome, but it was a quite inspiring for the artistic mind. Dude, it was great. Uh, we'll talk about it, but yeah, yeah, it was a great time. I, I saw the pictures. Good stuff. Oh, you saw the pictures. The wonders of Facebook. Oh my God, it's incredible. Um, we'll intro our guest that you just heard in just a moment, but let's do a quick shout out to our uh, oddballs in absentia. Uh, The man who keeps Boston's poetic lifeblood pumping with a cast iron hand crank, the mass poetry rep and associate editor of oddball magazine. Let's give our, uh, we miss you shout out to Chad Parento. We miss you, Chad. You don't sound very enthusiastic. That's okay. <laughs> I miss Chad. I miss Chad. I, forgot, I miss I him too. I forget what he but sounds it, like. It's, it's, so it's hard to miss him when he just doesn't show up, man. He doesn't we, show up. Bro, Chad, bro, we miss Chad, you. Chad, bro, throw us a bone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and my partner in line, the MC behind the rap flashback, available exclusively at jplineproductions.com. He bleeds green, uh, and he is there to give you what you need. Uh, please say hello, and we miss you too. Mr. Ivan Jesus, a.k.a. The One Scholar. We miss you, Scholar. (laughs) 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 So we may hear from them again on on an upcoming uh, Oddball show, but uh, our shout-outs to them, and they're a big part of what we do both at Oddball Magazine and at JP Lab. Oh, yeah, they're they're, uh, they're huge. huge. They are our, our partners in this podcasting enterprise. But our guest tonight is a prolific author from Dead of Mass who dropped his second novel, Grand Slams, A Coming of Egg Story, last year under Big Table Publishing. He's the fiction editor of the Wilderness House Literary Review from the collective known as The Bagel Bards and the host of the Dire Literary Series on the last Friday of every month at a location we are big supporters here, big supporters here of here at the podcast, the Out of the Blue Art Gallery 2 in Cambridge. He's an 11-time Pushcart Prize nominee, but a first-time oddball, so please give a warm interwebs welcome to Mr. Timothy Gager. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Welcome in. I think so. The crowd goes wild. The people love you. And and so does the gongist. <laughs> the gongist is very excited to hear. The gongist. So is the trumpet player. 
I don't know about all that. I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's excited too, but he's not as excited. I don't know where all the camera comes from. It's, it's a full studio here at the Oddball oh, Show. We, we right. exist only on the internet, but it's a full studio. All right, I'm done. I'm done. Let's, let's get into the conversation. It's like a whole Foley studio in here. Like we're are making you, our own sound effects. Are you playing Yahtzee? Was that, are you blending something? No, no, that's a, no, I'm shaking my vitamin B12 container. <laughs> <laughs> let's get pumped. It's very let's important to get your vitamins. But Tim, well, thanks very much book. for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Let's not get deficient well, on this podcast. I talk about, uh, before I talk about the book, I uh, do many impressions. Uh, like the, uh, the keyboard duster. You ready? Okay. <laughs> what was it? I missed it. Oh, never mind. You <laughs> <laughs> just did the keyboard duster. This, uh, I've never heard so much silence from great people. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, um, it takes I a considered can... effort. Uh, if it Charles takes as much here, effort do... to make that much silence as it does to make that much. You can do that cricket effort. sound that's pretty good, but uh, I can. This. Yeah, that one. There you go. Oh, not bad. That's, that's the sound of people stopping listening to this and like, what a bunch it's, of assholes. Let's go watch <laughs> something else. Let's go Let's go listen to Sports Hub for four hours and listen to Adam Scott. But uh, Well, welcome the to the Oddball Show. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, welcome to the Oddball Show, Tim, and thank you very much for being here. You know, if it's either this or my Tuesday night poker game, and I'm pretty excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we have a lot to talk about. Here. We have a lot to talk about. We definitely want to talk about uh, Grand Slams. Um, we were talking about that a little bit in the pre-show, uh, and some of the personal nature of that, and working in restaurants, a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. And then in the second half of the show, we might get into some Celtics talk. They are on a, a pretty good run towards the playoffs, and there was a lot of talk about them in the trade deadline, but nothing really happened. So I want to talk about all of that. But um, let's just jump right into uh, the book. This is your second novel. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, let's, let's, let's talk details first. Those who don't know, where can we get, uh, where can we find you and get your material? You can find uh, Grand Slams at many a fine bookstore. Uh, it's not in your specific store. Uh, you can special order it by name, and it will be sent to you uh, in, uh, you know, as long as it's delivered to the bookstore, Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Um, it's you know wherever you find uh, wherever you find books and wherever find books are sold. <laughs> um, yeah. We will be putting all those links right up in our pertinent link section on the website. Uh, so definitely check that out. We'll make sure they get you in touch with um, some stuff from from Tim, um, Jason. Yeah. What do uh, what what do you want to start with on Grand Slams? I know you had a couple questions. Uh, I think this. I think that. Well, first, I I like to compliment the book before I critique it. Um, I'm not going. <laughs> First of all, I think the writing is great. I, I uh, uh, being an editor of Oddball Magazine, I, I, I read some short stories every once in a while, and I'm like, ah. But these short stories are well put together. Uh, it's actually a whole long book that uh, is. Uh, first of all, uh, as a poet and uh, having very little attention span, I actually tried to write the other day something. Um, I was reading Catch Twenty Two. And, uh, and um, which is a great book. My all-time favorite book. Is really? it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Catch Twenty Two is my all-time favorite book. It's. I was so I was reading Catch Twenty Two, and I'm like, I can do this, which is impossible because uh, I can't. Anyway, I tried. I just I sat down and I just tried to tried to write something 
that wasn't poetry and I couldn't do it. I wrote something that sounded the equivalent of a kindergartner uh, writing a story about their first day at school. It was, it was really bad. And, and I kept on going, I'm like, I'm going to get through this. I'm, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to make some kind of process uh, happen. Uh, I can't be considered a serious writer if I can only write poetry. That's how I think, anyway. I, I give respect to a lot of novelists and stuff. So I guess I'm going to start with this. Um, where does where does there's an art to writing fiction and uh, short stories? First of all, short stories is an art because you have to keep everything concise. Uh, sometimes, uh, not all the stuff I read, but. When you write something like Grand Slams, which has a cast of characters and has a plot and has a purpose, where does this come from? And tell people who don't know how to write, i.e. poets uh, like me, I guess, because I can only write poetry. Although I can write, I can sometimes write fiction like poetry. <laughs> but how, how, where, does this, where does this fuel to sit down and be like, I'm going to write a complete 300-page novel. Where does well, this me, come from? Well, let me uh, address a couple of these points, first of all. First of all, I think the hardest form to write is poetry because uh, you have to be so concise, and it's almost like a perfection. Not a, a really, a really good poem. <laughs> so I think it's the hardest thing to do is to write a good poem. With a novel, you can kind of get through the first draft and slide around in it and... Uh, you know, there's so much revision work that, you know, various stages of revision that cleans it up. Uh, for me, I understand what you're talking about with attention span. And a lot of that, one, comes with practice doing it. And the other thing mm. that is that if you notice that my chapters are very short. I try to there write. There are short chapters, yeah. I try to write like 500 words a day when I do my first rough draft. And usually it ends up clocking around 700. And if I can stay at it each and every day, in like 90 days or so, I have a complete first draft. And, it, I, also, and I also don't write it at a dry spot, if you pardon mm -hmm. that, because mm -hmm. like, I, I'm sticking to a word count. I'm not writing until I run out of ideas or run out of steam, because the next time you pick it up, you're out of ideas and you're out of steam, and you know, it gets really like, mentally choppy. That's great. So your advice would be to start with a word count. Um, it works for me. Um, my advice is actually to plot it out first, like a general plot. You don't want to get everything down because then you get stuck and it gets stagnant. But I, you want a general plot, like in part one, this is going to happen. Part two, this is going to happen. Part three, this is going to happen. Or however you want to arrange it. And then um, I like to use that word count so that way I know when to stop. Like, that's going to direct me to stop. Whatever that count is, that you can stay fresh. Um, I believe that's how Hemingway wrote his longer works. It's that's called the Hemingway method. If you look up the Hemingway method, something similar will come up. I think Absinthe was involved in that, too. But I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Tim, how long did it take you to write Grand Slams? Uh, through the process, it was... Um, it was three months for the first draft, so... Uh, I started like a December 2015, no, actually December 2014. And uh, so by like March or so, I had a first draft and then the book came out in 2016. So it went through various reads 
editing, revisions, which involved my publisher, involved people that I trusted. And I had a lot of really great people that I trust look at it. Like Minion was one of the people that worked on it. Cheryl Devitt worked on it. Um, Renee worked on it. And, you know, everyone's going to catch something different. It's really hard mm-hmm. in the longer work for the writer to catch what anything at a certain point. Let me ask you, I had two questions <laughs> off of that. Uh, so are those those people you just mentioned, are they all editors or they have, have they all worked for you, worked on your material before as editors? Um, only one of them did. But, uh, I think it's, it, it's an interesting idea to me to trust somebody to have the correct eye to be your editor. How do you go about, you know, finding those perp- people or trusting them, you know, to have the correct, I don't know, it, it seems like a personal process yeah. to hand something over to somebody that you've created and then say, you know, fix this, t- you know, touch this up, tell me where, where I'm missing things or what, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. How do you, how do you, find find how you go about yeah. finding a good editor? Well, one, you can join, you can join in like writing groups or like workshops. So you kind of know who's a good reader and who can pick through things. Um, two, I mean, we have a lot of, I mean, I personally have a lot of friends that are writers and that are editors in the business. And I kind of know who likes my stuff, who understands my stuff, who's technically good that can clean up some of my messes. Right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are those, are those people, all those editors, the three you just mentioned, are they um, part of your, your uh, literary series? Um, let's see. At, oh, one the review, time, remember, at one time, are they part of Wilderness House Review or part of Literary Series? I'm in, I'm in uh, Wilderness House, but I suppose either. is. Yeah. No, they are not. They are not. I mean, Tisha Toomey did a lot of the editing in Bill Sloan, my previous novel. So she's the poetry editor at Wilderness House. Mm-hmm. Um, but Steve Glines, no. Doug, no. They, uh, I mean, those aren't people that – and I'm sure they would probably do a great job, but they're not people that uh, – I, you know, wanted to work with, or I ended up working with. Right on. Yeah. So, um, when when you found your editor, and w- would you say the advice uh, for someone who is uh, working on a novel is to get involved in in uh, workshops or writing groups or something like that? Uh, to, uh, I mean, is there a certain kind of uh, uh, I don't know ambition that is or drive that is given when you start workshopping your stuff with other writers. Do you feel kind of energetic about your writing? Do you feel more uh, vibrant when you decide to actually write? And when you put that 500 word uh, line countdown a day, it's much easier for you to do because you know you have somewhere to show it to, or you have. Um, well, I can only drive. speak from my. Yeah, I can only speak from my experience. I learned. Uh, a lot about writers groups and writers workshop through an online site called scrawl and they would do like flash and chat every Wednesday and Sunday. And I really, really learned from some really good people that you know, many of them have published like Rusty Barnes and many of them have advanced mm. uh, very, very, you know, they advanced along quite well in their writing careers and, you know, Cami Park, Nadine, Nadine Darling, Sue yeah. Miller. There's some great, great, great people that I worked with. And before that, I really didn't workshop. And I learned a lot. And then I joined a face-to-face writers group. And in terms of being energized, the, the best thing about the face-to-face writers group is it 
you have to present. If it's your time to present, it kind of pushes you into it, whether you want to or not. And I mean, I'm not saying that that's the, the recommendation for writing. You should write whether you want to or not. But I think you need to learn. There's times that you're not going to want to write to push through that. Now, hopefully it's yeah. not every day. And there are yep. times that you just, you're all psyched to write and you get up and that's what you do. Yeah. But like you need to be able to write when you're feeling all of your emotions, when you're feeling like stuck or you're feeling, you know, the, the cat just vomited on the rug or like <laughs> you're having a great day or like you're, you know, been driving the kids around. You need to have that. For me, I needed to have that daily 500 words no matter what. And, and you know what? I also learned that if I was cranking along and I could get like maybe 1500 words in like two days, I could take a day off. And that motivated me as well. Mm-hmm. I um when I got back from Paris, I started writing in in a book that I got, and I I was actually uh I just started writing poem one, poem two, poem three, which is kind of I usually title my poems before I begin them, and I just kind of wrote every day. I kind of s- stopped doing that, but um the idea is to continue to keep fresh. I I would write with my cup of coffee every day. Is that kind of sort of your routine? You write. In the daytime, do you write at night? Is it is it a uh, is it a uh, kind of I don't know. It's not. I, it's, I, I write routine. at. Oh, I write at all times, but I write best when I'm in a routine. Like my, yeah. I write, I write best in the morning. I mean, I I usually like after I've woken up a bit, I've had a cup of coffee, and I can sit down and be like, you know, finish something. For me, writing is about finishing something. So if I finish my 500 words, I'm like whew, finish. You know, uh, yeah, when I was yeah. writing short stories, 3,000 word short stories, I'd like to sit down and at least have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I could feel finished because for some reason, if I, if I don't finish something, whether it's a poem or a story or a section of a novel that I'm working on, um, I have this great fear because it's happened before that I wake up in the next day and it's just like, a, like it just feels totally foreign I'm totally out of the moment. Wow. I know that feeling entirely. I, and and uh, as a result, I also end up leaving many things like 80% finished. It's like my, my, it's my thing. biggest yeah. art flaw. Like uh, my, my whole house is full of 80% done stuff. Uh, and, and the only thing that those unfinished things are good for is like when you're stuck and it's like, well, let's revisit something because right. I can't come up with, you know, I can't come up with crap today. So is that why uh, you kind of write a short well, – um, well, let me ask. Uh, when, you, um, when you train yourself to – and it sounds like this is a train training. You, uh, when you uh, train yourself 500 words a day, are you starting with a story? Are you starting with a short story? Are you start, do you ever write poetry, Tim? Is this just a, a fiction thing or a nonfiction thing or, or what? For poetry, I like to start a poem in one day and feel that it's almost 99% finished, you yeah. know, with some tweaks or some line changes or change a break or remove a word or yep. so. Like, that's just mentally what I do with poems. Uh, for novels, it's for my novels, um, it's sort of, I mean, Bill Sloan was in, originally intended to be like a novel in flash fiction. Mm-hmm. So that way, I, that's where sort of the 500 to 700 words a day came in. Because I was, I was going to write this, like, you know, 100 flash pieces that all sort of interconnected, and that was going to be a novel. Well, lo and behold, it sort of became um, more of a standard novel, and it reads very experimental, which I kind of mm-hmm. liked about that one. 
A Grand yeah. Slam is such a traditional novel in a lot of ways. Um, but the, and it was very the, easy to write because every character in that book is based on a real person. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to say people that, that I worked they, with, um, and a lot of the stories in that book are, you know, really, really happened. There was someone, Kayak Kenny, that you know, you talk <laughs> about buying that kayak and saving money, and I can't wait. You know, the girls are going to love me. And sugar the girls and, are going to really like me with the kayak. You know, we you come. And he would just, you know, walk up the waitresses like, "Would you like to ride in my kayak?" And you know, he hadn't bought it yet. He'd be talking about his kayak all the time. <laughs> so, um, well, that's that's great to to. So the writing for Grand Slams was based on experience that you had. Do you ever write something out of total uh, fantasy, total non-experiences that you have? Something that you. Uh, some ambitions that you have, dreams you've had, anything like that, or is it usually something that's concrete that's happened to you before? Um, again, it's it's all different at different times, like, especially with flash fiction, because flash fiction you can go so many different ways. You can do like a realistic story. You can do one that's totally a symbolism. You can do one that's magical or magical realist types yeah. of work. Yeah. And like so, like I really learned a lot when I was writing a lot of flash fiction about like again headspace where my head is at and where i want the story to go it's just so imaginative tim uh i i i mean i tim i've written about a, maybe two three thousand poems and and i gotta say i i i find i don't find it very difficult to write poetry but i find it incredibly uh inspiring when someone can write fiction um i um i also think and i was going to ask you a question um, have you ever had a dream that the next day you woke up and started writing about it? Yeah, I did that. Uh, my early writings that was happening a lot, and really? uh, like some of the some of the short stories in like Short Street and Twenty Six Pack, a lot of that was sort of like, yeah, I used to actually keep paper and pen next to my bed, so in case like I didn't want to miss like what my yeah. dreams were doing. Yep, yep. Uh, actually, I, I've been experiencing uh, dreams that are so vivid that I wake up, I'm like, that could be a screenplay. That could be something. And then uh, by 12 o'clock, I totally forget about it. And um, I think that's uh, it's, it's just a testament to a writer who can actually take down something and do something uh, every – and actually do something with it. And I think that's incredible. Um, I mean, it's good to write what you know, and a lot of stuff that happens in my in my life, it's you know, ends up on the page. But also, a lot of stuff that I find interesting in other people's life might end up on the page. And if it's very, very sensitive material, I'll definitely get clearance. Yep. Like, Are you? I mean, like, go ahead. Like, <laughs> if it's obvious something happened to somebody, and they know that it happened, or they told me about it, and I said, "Look." Uh, you know, I, I might have included something similar mm-hmm. here. Is that okay? And if they say it's not okay, well, then it's not okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, you should have clearance before you – I mean, because uh, whenever uh, someone writes something – I had a, a writer actually show me his book, and my name was in it, and uh, he was a writer from Pennsylvania. I couldn't believe it. He's like, he had, he's like I want you to see my book. Will you maybe do a book review of it? And the third or fourth story was my name was in it. He's like, uh, and that was kind of shocking to me because the character wasn't in the best light. And um, that really. Well, it's an easy review, too. You can say the the author's use of names is tremendous. Yeah. 
Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to ask you are, um, about your writing. Um, now, are you trained? Are you kind of classically trained? Is this your is this your thing you've been doing for a very very long time, or is this something that just kind of has been a hobby that you've created into a career? <clears throat> It's funny that now it's uh, been a long time, but like at first, uh, I mean, when I was in college and I was in high school, I hated to write. I really hated to be told what to do. And uh, then uh, it's funny because it's the anniversary. It's the anniversary of it. Today is March the 7th. Uh, a guy I played music with uh, committed suicide on this day uh about 30 or so years ago. And uh, oh, I didn't know what to really do about, I didn't know what to do about that. So like, I didn't want to go to a therapist and I was pretty much like, you know, drinking myself pretty nasty. But like every day I was, I opened up a journal and I wrote whatever came into my head. I wasn't trying to write stories or a poem. I just was purging. It was like a big free ride of like F you or like this sucks or like, you know, whatever came into my head and, you know, it kind of became this journal and about six months of like writing every day or so, I was like, okay, I'm feeling better about this. I really don't need to do this. I don't need to like purge on this, you know, in this uh, black and white book anymore. And then a week after that, I realized that I kind of missed writing in general. And then I, I wrote my first short story. Did you have that short story published? Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's in my very, very first. It's in uh, the damn middle. And it's, uh, yeah, it's called The Wake. And it's, oh. it's a kind of about that experience. And uh, Can you find yeah, that so, book somewhere? <clears throat> probably not. I don't know. It was never in print. It was like uh, one of the early e-books. This is before Kindle and before, like, the Nook. And it was like, uh, you know, they had this thing called the e-reader, which actually I have. And, like, a <laughs> lot of it was like the it was the future of publishing, you know, the e-reader, and it was amazing. And, like, uh, uh, the, my first publisher was, like, an e-publisher, and this is when they were first starting out. It was, like, 1995 or 96, and it's uh, in the first book, The Damn Middle, is, like, a 75-page e-book of, like, eight short stories. Man, you, you are, you're kind of a rock star when it comes to comes to writing around uh, the Boston area. <laughs> uh, you've been around, man. And uh, 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 let me ask you, have you ever uh, gone into publishing or um, edited any other person's book or any, uh, or you just yeah, I've done your that. path? Oh, you have? I've done that. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was, I published Maria McCarthy. And I, we published the Heat City Literary Review, which is in print online and in print and we got two issues out of it and we realized how difficult it is to like do a, have a nationally published literary magazine and how expensive it is like yeah. besides the cost and the printing cost and the, the unpaid labor costs of you as an editor what people don't realize is that like say like you know it's a, you get your big break and every barnes and noble won three or four copies of your journal across the country and you think you're doing great like wow you know i have all this this stuff and then like after six months or when the next issue comes out, they turn around and they say, well, either we, if we can't afford, we're like, it's too costly to, uh, 
send back all the copies. So they yep. just basically they destroy them. So like that's one that's one cost you really don't anticipate, like the cost of all the unsold books. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty interesting. And you don't get them you don't get the inventory back at all, so it's just gone, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean the other thing I, I, I know that from someone else I heard that the other option is they can send you back the books but the covers are ripped off. Yep. Yep, that's because uh, it, it it changes the shipping or something like that? No, that's what they did. I, I used to work at Barnes and Noble and that's what they did to the books. They ripped off the uh the page. Why? Uh I don't know. It's just something about it's kind of like retiring a book. It's kind of actually uh, cruel if you think about it. You rip the cover off, <laughs> and then, then you're maiming the book. You're, you're maiming the book, and then and then you get the book back if you if, if you want. It's totally. I mean, I mean, I guess the the book the book publishing business, like the real book publishing business, is pretty cutthroat, you know. And it's kind of funny because I mean, as a as an independent publisher, you know? yeah, I guess that's <laughs> exactly. the case, right? Yeah, yeah, that's totally what it is. Oddball Magazine has, has, has existed solely online now for a few years, and uh, uh, we, you know, we're just kind of, uh, I mean, I'm very proud of our publication. Uh, we, we publish every single day, but I don't, I don't see us as a national publication. I mean, we're online, um, but, you know, we've never published, you know, uh, 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 I mean, I've published zines in the past, you know, but uh, to foray into the national you know, becoming a national publisher. Is, and then, well, the thing you know, about online journals is that they're, whether you like it or not, they're international. That anyone can click on and read. Mm-hmm. And the, the advantage of that, is it seems to be the longer that you're there and doing it, the better the magazine gets and the stronger yeah. the reputation gets. And the, like, uh, when I first, you know, people don't have to make this decision anymore, but like the original decision, like, Oh, I'm going to publish online. It's not real publishing and blah, blah, blah. And what ends up happening is like, uh, you think, well, if I publish online, more people will see it. It will never go away. But one of the cruelest things that has happened is like your stories like disappear forever. Like uh, a site goes down or they don't want to pay for the the storage or the bandwidth. If they kind of lost interest and they go down all the time because very often like online, uh, journals are like two or three people or even one person and then like something happens like someone like has a baby or they're in like a motorcycle accident or like they just get sick of it or whatever and suddenly there's like it just disappears like poof it's gone yeah, yeah I mean, somebody has to pay for the site so then yeah when they just stop doing that and you don't it's not like they update that if they're you know not closing down formally so all of a sudden yeah, yeah wherever, well, wherever you used there, to be published it's not even there anymore yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, sometimes, that or like, why should I? Why should I take over Oddball when I can come up with my own Tim Gager journal? Exactly. You know, it's the same thing. It's yep. the same amount of work. Yeah. My vision. Yeah. Damn it! I want my vision. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny, you know, being a literary publisher myself, uh, you know, and coming up constantly with you know columns and stuff. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I can see who sees the, the magazine and stuff, but I don't see the, I don't see uh, the nearly as much work as we put into it. I mean, I think a lot of people like our magazine. You know, I mean, I think we put out, uh, we constantly put out stuff all the time, but it's not oh, like. I'm <laughs> but I don't see I don't see anyone coming up to me like oh hey I read your magazine the other day but although one hundred seventy thousand people have read it apparently according to my magazine I mean you it's kind of strange too sometimes you get a lot of likes you know the yeah. likes there's wonderful likes that you get but no one actually reads it they just like that you publish yeah <laughs> yeah. But, Which is I a mean, weird sort of affirmation if you think about it. Like, hey, like, I'm really proud like, of you for doing something. Yeah, like, I, I don't like really care you. what it is. 
I like you, but I'm not going to marry you. I just I put <laughs> a, I mean, you, you I, look interesting to me, but I'm not really going to you know check it out. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think, Tisha was Tisha was ahead. telling me this study that she read that like how this generation like uh, when you receive a like it releases endorphins, yep. so it's like mm-hmm. you get addicted to your likes. Yeah, yep. every time you yep. see like a you know, and that's the thing about instant notifications on your phone or on your computer anywhere is that like, when you see the little red bubble or whatever to tell you that somebody liked it, like that, it's, it does it instantly releases that, and you get uh, an anticipation kind of endorphin too from like, all right, what is this going to be? Until you open it, it's like this is a comment I didn't care about. Somebody commented on it, and you know, yeah. I, I, it's a very what interesting a, idea because I can feel it happen to myself. It's the only reason I'm still on Facebook is I, I. Uh, I use it a lot, but I don't like it very much. I love Twitter. You know, it's not that I don't like social media, but a twi- Facebook to me becomes less and yes, less useful. But it's it's an, almost an addiction. It's almost an interaction addiction uh, that I think is really weird to watch develop. You know? Yeah, I'm so bad well, at doing that anymore. You know, trying to just trying to use the social media aspect to uh, to feel like you are you matter is becoming increasingly more difficult for me. So I just kind of back out a little bit well i i see i see this interesting phenomenon that goes on is the people that i mean first of all everyone's promoting a lot of authors are promoting but if you become like very well known or more well known you don't necessarily have to promote and usually mm-hmm. that kind of leaves all the people that are kind of yelling politically at each other and yeah. uh so what happens is the people that are like aren't going insane by that yelling they stick around and like right. yeah. other people will be like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of reading this. I'm sick of reading politics. I, I'm coming here to relax, and they'll drop out. So you kind of left with all the yellers, especially right yep. now. You know, and and I'm one of the yellers right now. Like I, you know, I'm I'm with you, uh, uh, but especially right now, it's it's so full of it that like you know, just yeah. people can't yeah. stop talking about it. I can't stop talking yeah. about it. Exactly. And, uh, but is that going to produce the change that you want on right. either side now? It's like, wow, like I posted something. That's going to really change the world. Or even like even stuff like marches and candlelight vigils. Like it's nice that you feel good. It's like you get these likes for being at a march. But like marches and candlelight vigils tend not to do shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's certainly a limit good. to it. You know, like it, it's, it's shining a light on an issue, but that's not nearly all of the steps. We all know what the issue that's is. That's the first step, you know. We all know what the issue is. Yeah. Like, it, it's never been like, hold on, we overthrew the government because we had, like, marches every single day. No, that's not that's not how it happens. You want to do something, you, what you got to do is you call your Senate, you call your congressperson, yes. whatever side you want, and be like, I'm not voting for your ass unless you support the people. Exactly. Or what the perception of the people are. And, uh, I mean, that's how you get things done. And the other way you get things done is by uh, – violent revolution and that that happens you know sorry to say like oh it's a bad thing people get but if you really want a revolution i mean that's that's that, your way to make change and that's, that's historically what the <laughs> that's how change occurs whether you like it or yeah. not um the uh the uh, it's interesting to be in paris and then uh, to think of the the rich culture there and think of how the louvre was once a king's uh basically where the king lived until they cut off his head and then uh they just opened it up to be an amazing art museum. So it's a, it's amazing how things like uh, uh, revolution happen. And um, well, he yeah. had a head for art. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
but that's what that was one thing i learned from going to paris was uh the uh the uh the the, the divide of uh rich and poor is is definitely there but it was i mean it's a beautiful city but you know did uh people definitely... in france were people in france asking like what the what the fuck's going on in your country uh, actually, yeah, people yeah. look at you like you were some kind of clown. <laughs> you know what? I spoke French there the whole time, so um, I. But uh, when I spoke English, uh, I mean, they were actually very, very nice people. But I was walking down the street um, and I saw this picture of Donald Trump uh, dressed up as uh, Uncle Sam, and it said "loser" in in French. And then then there was something. Then it said something like, uh, you know, Uncle 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 uh, Donald. Yeah, and then it said. Uh, in, in Italian on a piece of paper next to it, poetry is not terrorism. And I thought that was really fucking cool. But um, I, the thing is, uh, over in uh, Paris, what I saw was a lot of lot of street art. I saw a lot of uh, resistance. And th- they're, they're actually dealing with a, a presidency right now. They're re- dealing with an election right now. And it was interesting to see how they actually feel about what's going on with their country. So... It's it's just you know it was interesting to be a, you know walking around Montmartre and seeing something like Generation Ungovernable in French you know and that was really freaking cool it was like a birdcage and like you know just this really interesting street art and it just it's just, it's just totally just like what's going on in here just on a on a slightly different scale you know it's just uh, there's always going to be revolution you know and it's it's either yeah and right now well, that also, nationalist movement is is international you know that the yeah. The same thing that that caused Brexit is the same. Some of the same issues that led to our having Trump, you know. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you think about like uh, you know when this country formed, I mean, it, it was the whole. I mean, one of the catchphrases are "Are you willing to die for your country?" And it's not just a catchphrase. It's not like a campaign slogan. People really were willing to die for what created our country, what created our constitution, and uh, to break free. Like I think that a lot of people think that they're willing to die for our country, but they're more likely willing to die for somebody else rather than making the country as great as it could possibly be. I think there's a lot of people fighting for, uh, for what they believe to be principles rather than actual ideals, rather than actually uh, really fighting for their country. They're fighting for their side to win, uh, whichever side. Or they're fighting or they're fighting for themselves. Like, look at me. I'm making a lot of noise about my opinions. Like, like, aren't I wonderful that I disagree? You know what? Like, I, I feel I'm on the right side, too. And, but, like, I mean, I'm not going to judge people on the wrong side. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but quite often I do. I mean, quite often I do because I can't quite understand what's going on in the country. It's not because I'm stupid. It's because I've never seen anything at all like this at all. Yeah, this is certainly yeah. unique in our lifetime. Uh, I mean, I, I keep... Likening it, it must be similar to the uh, you know the end of the sixties and so in right before the civil rights movement or during you know during the civil rights movement, but more the political movement that surrounded it. It's got to be something similar, you know, and the the movement against Nixon, who was far more presidential than Trump will ever be, which is interesting to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, we're moving towards an idiocracy every day, and uh, um, it's uh, really kind of. Um, interesting where are the revolutionaries right now you know where are the people who are going to take back our country and are we the people who are just talking about it on facebook or are there people actually doing something and uh it seems like everything that we that we that every kind of uh movement uh starts and then it becomes um 
advertised and then it becomes well, promoted and then it becomes kind of i don't know commercialized and and then it becomes lost it becomes a catchphrase and then the movement is kind of lost in a way well i mean michael morris says that like the time it takes for you to call your political leaders in the senate and in congress is like only a fraction of the amount of time that people spend writing about it on facebook it's exactly. absolutely true yeah yeah, if you want if you want to make change, call your congressman. I mean, I, I mean, if that's if that's if they're there for the people, then that's the only logical change. And call, get, uh, call, get informed. Don't, don't too, email. Like, call. Don't email. Call. They cannot ignore a phone call. It's really, really easy to ignore ignore an email. And, and call and have a little script and be informed. Yes. Like if you want to talk about health care, know exactly what like the. The new healthcare plan is and what it means before you make that call. Why you prefer the old one possibly. Why you don't want any of them. Why you want to um, make uh, pharmaceuticals not for profit. Whatever you want to do, just be informed and call about it. Yeah. I think, I think that's the takeaway here is if you are going to call your congressman, if you're going to call your senators and your representatives, maybe be intelligent about it. No. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was talking to a doctor the other day that whole uh, the whole EpiPen controversy where the manufacturers the EpiPens were like nine hundred dollars. Yeah. When uh, you know the the drug in an EpiPen is like the cheapest drug you can possibly manufacture. It's almost criminal. What the doctor said, and and the uh, and the uh, device that shoots the EpiPen into your system is just like a little spring loaded piece of plastic. And, uh, and in fact, you know, we all thought it was great when the price went down to $300. Well, you know, something like that is just, yeah, I heard, according to him, he says it's, it's such a low cost. But, like, yeah. who's going to step in and say, like, you know, why are you charging $300? Why is, why is my insurance company paying for that? Or why is my insurance company not paying that $300? What's a better solution for that? I mean, and right. one of the well, exactly. one of the other things about that is like it does the same, the exact same drug in a different country does not cost you know cost a fraction of what it costs here, which is ridiculous. Doesn't make yeah. any sense, you know. And that's what you know Sanders and other Democrats are trying to push to get you know allow us to ship uh, to order you know drugs from Canada, and that got shut down. But I think that's only like one piece of what we're supposed to do with this whole thing. That it doesn't make any sense that in the in in our country one of the you know. The leading nations in in healthcare, uh, our drugs are ridiculous. Uh, our our drug costs are ridiculous to ordinary citizens. Well, when manufacturers and profiteers start to run the government, mm-hmm. I mean, we we all cry fascism about Donald Trump, but you know, the fascism is the capitalists that are controlling the government, controlling the votes, and controlling what they want. Exactly. Damn the man, sn- part of the snap- revolution. Did you just snap your fingers? What was that? No, I actually, I have, it's, oddly enough, I have a corkscrew sitting on my desk because I'm like a bartender <laughs> and I just happened to be playing with it in my hand. I didn't know you could hear that. <laughs> I, I thought that was, was that the sound of the guy in Cleveland Cavaliers breaking his leg? <laughs> <laughs> that was a femur snapping is what that was. <laughs> that was a kick going bad. <laughs> hey, oh, so listen, we're, we're cruising right through the oddball hour when, as we do yeah. when we're having a good time. So let's, let's take a quick break here and do, um, and, and, uh, Update the people on what's going on at uh, Oddball Magazine and JP Lime because uh, yeah. we like to keep them informed. Yeah, I um, think call your congressman. 
<laughs> tell them about <laughs> Oddball Magazine. <laughs> Just make sure you know what you want to tell. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, you know, I usually tend to go long, but I feel like you have a lot to say, so I guess I'll just go short. Yeah, hit him with the highlights. Yeah, yeah, hit him with the highlights. All right, so uh, you, well, we haven't uh, Oddball Magazine. We have uh, constant, you know, constant contact, <laughs> constant content. Uh, every day we update, do something today. Uh, was our good friend Fleming's Bobrin with the Epic Autism Report. His uh, report was about the coming of the PAX uh, uh, Penny Arcade Expo, the big uh, Penny Arcade Expo, or as they call PAX, and he was talking about how uh, people there, you know, you got to be ready because the nerds are coming. And, and he is a nerd himself. He's self-proclaimed on the website, and he's saying, you know, be ready. PAX is coming to town. And that's what the year was about today. Um, my poem today was inspired by listening to Philip Glass. Uh, the poem is called Vagabond and Kingdom Come. Uh, I don't think I, I even know if I used the words correctly, but I, I feel like uh, that's what I was going for. It's uh, Jagatha 165. I'll read it. <laughs> I don't know if I used the words correctly. <laughs> I think so. I think I, I think I got my point across. But as I'm, I'm not a writer, so Jacket Thought 165, Vagabond and Kingdom Come. Uh, we had fiction by Elizabeth Hoyle, and I read the the whole piece, uh, and uh, it was about a a, a a woman who bites off her uh, her husband's uh, toes. Uh, seriously, that's what the, the short story was about. It's a really interesting awesome. read. Uh, it was kind of uh, nice. just weird to read, and uh, I was like, wow. And that was <laughs> and wow. sometimes I'm just shocked by what comes up on the website, and i got to thank that to Chad Parenta, who sometimes just makes executive decisions and throws some great stuff up there. And uh, this was uh, some artwork by a new artist. By His name is Bill Wallach. And um, the thing is, being an online magazine, sometimes we don't know who our contributors are, but Bill Wallach has been contributing these really cool uh, pieces to us for the last couple months. And, um, you know, he, he, he delivers two pieces with this fiction. And then we have uh, Just Enough uh, uh, for Monday. He did Off the Cuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just you know, just shout out to Justin Enough. He did uh, his uh, comedy troupe off the cuff, slippery when wet. Uh, that was pretty off the cuff. And then we had um, the odds by Bill Harvey, and this was just on Monday and Tuesday. So that was our comic strip by uh, Bill Harvey, who's a Detroit comic strip uh, cartoonist, and um, his one frame comics are pretty funny. Uh, uh, you know, and then Friday we had uh, our our awesome brand new column that we love. Uh, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this uh, author Tim, but his name is Bruce Wise. He's a writer uh, who he writes in different names, and he writes these little short, uh, amazing poems about uh, what's going on in politics. And he writes three or four poems at a given stretch every Friday, and it's awesome. He was a great contributor. And he was someone who was contributing for so long to the magazine, and we had to kind of like, he was he, you know he was constant with his his submissions, and then I was like, I gotta get this guy just to give me a weekly column. So now he is, and I'll then we had a, I, I think you'd love it, Tim. Uh, I think you'd love this guy. His name is Bruce Wise. Uh, parts unknown. I don't even know where some of my my columnists come from, <laughs> but this guy is great. Is in his column is Wise Words with Bruce Wise. Um, and then, of course, we had a twisted JP line. Uh, 
yep. uh, with uh, Essential Part Four, which is um, it's a, a new writer to uh, JP Lime. What's what's his? Uh, That's Dave uh, Yearly. I'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, because yeah, he's, he's a good friend of ours, uh, and he's uh, uh, a short story writer. And when well, actually, I'll just talk about it in a second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. And um, and before that, we had Bamboozled No More with uh, Janet Cormier. Uh, who I guess she's having an art show in Somerville this month, so if you can catch that out, uh, catch that. She's also uh, uh, the uh, she does a Somerville art show on um, cable access, and we have our good, uh, awesome uh, poet and friend Liza Zayas with the Underground Garden, and also James Van Loy. What's it's all one thing, and that was what's going on in the last three or four days with Oddball Magazine. So we you have really, a lot of you guys have a great uh, great. <laughs> bunch of contributors yeah i mean i've seen some of these columns that have developed over the last oh you know, my couple god years that we've been working together and you, you've got some great uh, consistent contributors with some oh, really so diverse content i really uh you get some great poets working uh, you know we we come up with uh you know these these i mean Fleming's is ear column is so refreshing because it's you don't know what he's going to talk about and that's great and i love his perspective on things and then you have liza who has this amazing poetry style plus you have her yeah. Uh, she also has her ear to the sound of like nightlife in Boston. So she, she you know, Arado and like all the electric dance mu- uh, music that's coming around Boston. She knows about it, you know, yeah. so she writes about it. And then, you know, we have, and, you know, and Chad puts it all together and, you know, it's just, we have a great team and yeah, I really, I, really uh, love, I love our magazine. That's what's going on, on, on the East coast. Come Dude, check them out at oddballmagazine.com. On the planet, brother. On the planet. I love it. Um, over at jplineproductions.com, we've had some some cool new stuff going on. Uh, you know, coming into the new year, we had our new design go up. So with that, we wanted to make sure that we uh, we filled in with some some interesting new content. And uh, some of our inner circle people have come through on that. Uh, Spaceman has his new thousand words column that's gone up. He's done two volumes of that. Uh, he has gotten really into photography and um, doing some different kind of uh, different kind of art. He's been doing a lot of painting and whatnot. Is, so with that uh, attached to the painting about the, the I'm sorry to interrupt. No, he's painting about the, uh, the uh, going to a gun, uh, go, uh, gun uh, range yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and that painting that he did. Oh my God, that's awesome. So what sorry. he's doing now is, is pairing up, you know, different paintings and different works that he's doing and then writing a, a thousand word, uh, thing, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, either related to it or about what inspired him, you know, not directly explaining the work, but just something that's, you know, a story that's related for him. Uh, and it's pretty interesting, you know, Spaceman has a, diff- has a, a certain kind of style to him. Um, and he's a, a big part of what we do with Jape and I'm. Uh, and I really, I think his, uh, his new columns really coming along. I like it a lot. So come, so check out a thousand words. Um, and somebody else that's big on our inner circle, uh, LSP, DJ LSP 1200. Uh, one of Boston's hottest hip hop producers who you have already heard tonight. He does our opening music here at the podcast. Um, so big shout out to him for that. In addition, he's got two new columns that he's kind of been running at, at JP Lime, uh, simultaneously. The, uh, LSP throwback Thursday. He goes back through his volumes of, uh, of beats and puts up one for our freestyling and listening pleasure every Thursday. So that's the LSP throwback Thursday. And then the LSP syllabus, he, uh, LSP is really into hip hop memoirs. He's read, I don't know, I think he said like 30, 40 of them. And so he's been doing a little, uh, syllabus list called the LSP syllabus. Um, 
and give a little insight into some of those works that he's been reading from from big hip hop icons, uh, which is a pretty cool perspective. When we hang out and do the rap flashback, which we do every month, we'll be filming the March edition this weekend. Uh, LSV lends a, a great deal of knowledge and uh, uh, music depth to our conversations and our hanging out. So I'm glad he's found a couple outlets here at the magazine to work on some stuff. Um, and, it's, and the other person you just mentioned, Dave Yearling, is a good friend of ours. He is uh, my collaborator on a music project that's coming up soon and a good friend of, uh, of my wife's and mine. And he's a short story writer. And his story, Essential, uh, is kind of dystopian, uh, interesting short story about what happened, what would happen if uh, language broke down as part of a, a you know, society gone wrong kind of thing. How would that affect the power structure? We did that in four... Um, volumes and the full volume is up there now. Uh, that went up last week, so definitely check that out. And that's what we did for Twist the Lime over at Oddball. So that's at both places simultaneously. Uh, in addition, I mentioned, like I said, the rap flashbacks getting filmed this weekend, so the March one will be coming your way next the, uh, next week, the week after. Um, and I'll be working on a little column called Welcome to the Swamp, which will be either going up this week or next week. So, um, oh, and I almost forgot. Tomorrow or Thursday, we're doing uh, JPL Memory, a new game that I've come up with, uh, Test Your Knowledge and all the different things we do here at JPL, awesome. uh, uh, JPL Magazine and JPL Nine Productions. So definitely come play our new game. Um, so that's what's going on at JPL Nine Productions. We are uh, uh, your role with the Crunchy Hip Hop Center. You can find us at jplnproductions.com and um, on the interwebs at, at jplnine on Instagram and Twitter. So come yeah. find us. Dude, we have so much content between the both of us. We should start a we're just, podcast we're just, or something. We just, got some, <laughs> we just got content coming at our ears. <laughs> in our rears. In our, our ears and our rears. <laughs> um, but please do come check us out. Uh, this podcast is, is playing right now at Oddball Magazine and at jpenineproductions.com. It's also playing through our Facebook and Twitter and our various social media feeds. Um, so however you happen to come find us, come check out more. There's a lot more to know about both JPLine and Oddball. Um, and all the artists that work with them, one of the biggest things we're trying to do is make connections uh, and, and build a network of artists. We've got some awesome, awesome guests here on the podcast, and most of them come from our pre-existing art networks like Out of the Blue um, and some of the other great open mics and other yeah. uh, art collectives that are going on in Boston. So um, it's a really important thing to, to keep going uh, and to support. So um, our, our thanks to the artists that make like all that possible. Absolutely. Uh, big, uh, we couldn't do it without all the support that we have from the the Boston uh, art community and poetry and writers that we know and everything, and all the calmness, you know, spaceman and all the guys, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We have a, you guys have a great site. We have a great site. We're killing it. Yours is okay. I don't, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, <mine's all> right. <laughs> Um, we are coming down to the end of the oddball hour here as we, we cruise through like we do. Um, a couple different ways we could end tonight. We haven't done a list of 10 in a long time. That'd be a good way. Can, can uh, you know, I'd love to do a list of 10 with Tim. Uh, I'd love to read my, uh, my, my, my poem too. So let's do, can we do both? I'm down. And, uh, okay. All so right. we do a list of 10 with Tim. Uh, so Tim, no Celtics talk, huh? No, we just blew right through it, man. We, we Tim, got to talk about writing and, uh. Then no. we talked about revolution. What's more important than revolution? We're gonna have to have you have you back, Tim. We'll talk more about the Celtics maybe once they get into the playoffs. Yeah, because they, uh, you know, what I did see is uh, on ESPN they got a ninety nine point nine percent chance to make the playoffs. So 
And uh, we'll definitely have to have another cast about Celtics. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I'm an avid Celtics fan, and it's right now they've lost two games in a row. They lost to the Phoenix Suns, who have a 20 and 40 record. So let's not talk about them right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it would jinx them. Celts are a fun team, though. They're fun yeah, to watch. Well, they're fun to watch, and uh, you know, it's it's great to watch them develop too. More I know we shouldn't talk about. It. Oh, Gordon, Jordan Mickey. <laughs> More yeah. Jordan Mickey. More Jordan Mickey. You know, I I agree. Jordan Mickey, uh, definitely. More Jordan Mickey, less Kelly Olynyk. Demetrius Olenek. Jackson. Demetrius Jackson. <laughs> He's played all, all year. So I want a forty-point blowout, and we could have Jackson, Mickey, uh, Olenek, Olenek, Rozier, Young, and what the hell? Kelly Olynyk will have to just bite the bullet. I, I say we I say we trade Kelly Olynyk for a box of crayons and a coloring book at this point. I, I don't know. I, well, I, think, gonna, I mean, who's going to greet the Durants in the world if Olynyk's not there at the buffet table? <laughs> who's going to greet? Hi, I'm Kelly Olynyk. I want you to come play for the Celtics. No, man. I think Golden State's looking awfully good now. <laughs> oh man. Why? Why uh, didn't? Why do you guys think? Just real quick. Why do you think they didn't do anything in the trade deadline? Uh, well, uh, it's, it, I think uh, it's kind of uh, it's an addition by doing nothing. They have yeah. they have the picks. Uh, they can draft and trade who they draft. They can still trade the picks. And you know what? They don't want to. I mean, my feeling is too that I mean they need a rebounder. But uh, Ainge said, and I agree with him. You add a rebounder to this team, and suddenly it's I mean, you're going to win or lose based on the speed. Small team with the Celtics have. You add a rebounder, it's not going to improve the team. So you're adding all of these guys um, by trading draft picks. Mm, that's kind of a waste, I think. I think it's okay. I think they're going to go. They're not going to win a championship. They're going to go as far as they're going to go, which is, you know, might be pretty far. Yeah, we. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, second round. I, I'm thinking. I, I, I don't. I, I, I see this team. Uh, struggle against teams like the Phoenix Suns and and the LA Clippers, who the Clippers are so stacked as a team that if they could get their shit together, they could be one of the best teams in the league. And we are such a great team with so much fight, but sometimes we just, you know, we're, we're paying Al Horford a hundred million a hundred million dollars to put up fourteen points a game. He's a great role player, but he doesn't have. He's not a shoot. He's he's not tenacious that we need like a like. I'm not going to say DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think we should have got DeMarcus Cousins. I'm saying we need someone like, um, I don't know, I'm just saying we need shooters. When Isaiah Thomas doesn't turn it on in the fourth quarter, we need to have someone who does turn it on in the fourth quarter. We need someone who's consistent. And people like, I mean, I just feel like uh, as Kelly Olnick is becoming the poster child for every, like, every single person to be the – like. Every poster is going to have him being dunked on or committing a foul to make a three-point play. There was one play where Kelly Olnick, um, in the beginning of the season, he, and I'm going to say he had a couple good good games recently, but he's been sucking those of late. But uh, I know we're not supposed to talk about the Celtics. We're going to move on. But, uh, <laughs> so, Nothing not supposed to. It's just, Olnick, you know. Okay, there was a tight game. I don't remember who it was. It was the beginning of the season. Kelly Olnick. It was like the, the game was uh, uh, it was down to uh, it was tied, and he fouled someone shooting a three point three pointer with like three seconds left, and all I had to do, and they just basically shot foul shots to win the game, 
And that kind of stupid shit that Kelly Olnick does all the time. He does stupid shit all the time as a basketball player that I want to, I want to like Kelly Olnick, but I keep on coming back to God trade this guy. I mean, I, I just trade him. I, I think. He, well, well, there's also him. the mentality too. Like people like, uh, you know, yeah, LeBron like will never get fouls called against him because he's LeBron and LeBron will always get the breaks. People like Olenek. And I remember, like, my favorite Celtic of all time, A.C. Earl. Like, they're just oh. – and even, uh, and even uh, you know, the guy uh, they got rid of uh, from Ohio State. Uh, what's his name? Uh, it slips my mind. But he's now now plays for Toronto. Oh. Um, but uh, they're just in, in the vicinity, and they get called for fouls just because of who they are. Well, Kelly Olnick is uh, is literally a uh, he has a beaker on him that says "get dunked on." Uh, I, I feel like he just he makes all these stupid plays in the paint all the time, and it's just uh, I don't know. It's frustrating to watch. I mean, the Celtics were up by set, uh, fourteen points yesterday against the LA Clippers. All of a sudden, uh, Jamal Crawford turns it on in the third quarter with like a minute left in the game in the third quarter. And and he just turns it on on everybody, and then you know all of a sudden, the fourth quarter comes around, and the Celtics are down by fourteen points, and then they're struggling to get into a game where they have nine points left with forty five seconds left in the game, and people are like, maybe they'll come back, and it's like it's not going to happen. You got, I mean, I, Tommy Heinsohn said you have to kill them in the third quarter, and we're not doing that. We're just not doing it. And there's people like Kelly Olnick and other people on the team that are just fucking it up for the rest of them. And I, I, I love the team. It's just, it's just, there's just certain players on the team that I think uh, need to uh, pack it up. And uh, that's what I think. And that's your jagged thought for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Pack it up, bitch. (laughs) Little guy. Olenek, pack it up. Little big guy. guy, pack it up. Big, big guy. guy, big guy with the long hair. Oh, the, and the, the, the other whipping boy that I, I forgot his name is Jared Sullinger. That's what I thought you were talking about. Uh, Isn't Sullinger oh, a free Sullinger. agent? Yeah, they were talking about. Now, he's, a, he's at free buffet. He's not a free agent. He's at the free buffet. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, you know, I, I will tell you who I do love on the team. I love Marcus Smart. I I love Marcus Smart. I love I like watching Smart. him play. He is tenacious. He's a tough guy. Uh, he's More Jalen Brown too, and I love Jalen Brown. He's been playing great. He's great been player, great, and he's a rookie, and I think he's going to be great for the team. And I love uh, uh, Avery Bradley. I love this team so much. I love it, of course, but I just love this team. Um, uh, it's just shitty when they 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 beat Cleveland in an amazing game, and then they lose to the Phoenix Suns, and then the Clippers. You know, it's just uh, I don't know, but they 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 what they got seven games left in the season, ten games left in the season. They're gonna destroy Golden State, yeah, and they're gonna play Golden State tomorrow. So you know, they're playing Golden State, and and I feel like Golden State just just is is uh, they're just so good, they're just so good, and you don't get to see them on the East Coast, so it's very exciting when you get to watch them, even though they're gonna play the uh, play Boston tomorrow. You know, they're an exciting team to watch. I mean, Steph Curry's already a legend, and what is he, like a third, four-year player? I mean, he's amazing. Yeah, but, he's, a, he's a great one. What a pure shooter. He can score yeah. from any part of the court. Yeah. And Draymond Green and all these other guys. I mean, this team is stacked, you know. And uh, But watching the Clippers yesterday, I'm like, this team has all these all-stars, and they can't get themselves out of their way. You can tell that they don't like each other. You can tell that that's too bad Durant. Too bad Durant's injured. Otherwise, it would be like uh, – 
he could run into Kelly Olenek again. Hiya. Yeah, yeah, break a tibia. Sorry you didn't come sorry you didn't come play for the Celtics. Yeah. My name's Kelly Olenek. <laughs> I mean, Let me meet you at the airport. You think you think he saw Kelly Olenek? He's like, I'm I'm gonna go I'm going I don't like Kelly. Maybe he oh, didn't get a little I don't know, Kevin. Kevin Durant, you know, he he would have made a lot of uh, he would have made a lot of difference if he came to Boston. But I think he just wanted to chase the championship ring, and that's what he's doing on Golden State. Agents, 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 and Stevens were like, "Look, guys, we need to show something to Durant. I need a volunteer to like show him around. Maybe meet him at the airport. Oh, Kelly. Oh, fuck. <laughs> can we get Boston Shit. coach?" <laughs> Oh, hold on. Your, your hand's up there. Kelly, I don't see your hand. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh man. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, They're an exciting team to watch, and I guess we all kind of believe that Kelly is the one that's uh, just fucking it up for the rest of them. That's my opinion. Well, I'm looking forward to the Golden State game. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I watch every single game. Um, yeah, all right, that's our Celtic, yeah, that was that was our Celtics talk. Sorry, we were not supposed to have that, but <laughs> <laughs> just couldn't be contained. <laughs> Sorry. What else did we talk about? We didn't talk about B restaurants. That's true. Uh, oh, we, wait, should we just talk about themed restaurants real quick? No, no. B restaurants. <laughs> no. Hey, the guy, the guy that the guy that, uh, the guy that uh, originated Waffle House passed away today. He was ninety-seven. Uh, wow, he lived a great life. He did. You think the the chicken and waffles would have killed him? Yeah. Did he die of diabetes? <laughs> he died of second-hand smoke from the section one of the Waffle House. <laughs> Is that true? It's sad because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sacrilegious. All right, well, we are coming down to the end of the oddball hour here. And as the threads come apart, let's, um, let's close up with a couple of our favorite segments, one being uh, – Jason's uh, column every week at yeah. Audible Magazine. It's called Jacket Thoughts, so he'll read that to close the show out. But we first, we, before we get there, first, let's do a list of ten. Do you think we should do a list of ten or a list of five and a half? I, I'm I'm really going to have to push for the whole ten. I don't right. I don't even know what a half would be, but All right. yeah. All right, list of ten. Here we go. All right, so this is our list of ten. It's based on um, James Lipton's questionnaire on Inside the Act Studio. He based his on. Bernard Pivot's show Apostrophe, which is based on the Proust questionnaire. So I really like the idea of uh, keeping it going. So this is our list of ten. List of ten! Tim, even though you have no idea what's coming, are you ready? No idea. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that. Good. Number one. What time and place would you like to be if not here and now? Uh, If not here and now, I would like to have... Stephen Wright said eggs during the Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it from, a, from another great Wright. Uh, uh, number two, what is the greatest advice you've ever received? Um, don't try. <laughs> don't try. Number three, what would your superpower be? Hold on. Is that like be the ball, Tim? Do or do not. There <laughs> no. is no try. <laughs> Be the ball. Oh, I just I just was talking about a funny superpower, but now it's, uh, my my favorite. What would my superpower be? Yep. Uh, nothing. Nothing original. I'd like to fly. Fly. That's that's, Ooh, that's my top answer too. I would love to fly. Not fast enough to. 
Not fast enough to turn the Earth in the opposite rotation, but just, you know, fast enough to get around. Not, not Superman 2 speed. Just, just you know, get like out of traffic. Superman speed. Yeah. You don't have to save Lois Lane from, you know, dying in an avalanche or whatever that was. I forget. And that wouldn't have fucked up the Earth. Nah. Nah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have caused volcanic eruptions. Uh, global warming? No, Superman's just screwing with the axis again. He really didn't think that through, did he? No, certainly not. <laughs> director that didn't think that through. I think it's Superman's fault. Number four, Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Excellent. Keep your head up, Tim. Number five. May God judge you. Who was your favorite person? Tisha Tuman. Oh, that was nice. I hope you're listening, Tisha. Hope you're listening, Tisha. That was a great answer, Tim. Number six. What is your quest? To seek the Holy Grail. <laughs> I'm, I'm so disappointed no one has said that yet. Thank you, So Tim. many people's quests. So many people's quests. Uh, number seven, fill in the blank. All you need is blank. Love. Easy. I agree. Kindness and compassion. Love, yeah. kindness, and compassion. Number nice. eight, rock, paper, or scissors? Rock. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I think rock always paper. wins. Yeah, I am born to rock. Yeah. Usually. Do you want to rock? I want to rock. I want a paper. <laughs> yeah, see, it just doesn't work. Doesn't I guess work. it was the right answer. <laughs> Number nine, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a kid. A kid. Brilliant. And number 10, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear St. Peter say when you reach the pearly gates? I've been waiting for you for a long time. <laughs> and that is the list of 10. 10. Tim, thank you very much. The list of right. 10. Tim, I got to say you're a fucking rock star, man. I just want to say that. Tim's a rock star. The fun show. Thanks very much for being here, Tim. We really do appreciate it. Um, all of uh, the stuff we talked about tonight is going to be in the pertinent link section at uh, Oddball Magazine and at jplineproductions.com. So definitely check that out. Um, Get uh, Grand Slams on Amazon. That link will be right up there. Um, and follow Tim at Timothy Gager on uh, on Twitter. And find him on Facebook. And all of that will also be in our pertinent links. So just in case you need to know where to find some really uh, great information, come check us out. And, and check out Tim's book. It's a really, it's a really great book. And, uh, and um, th- Tim, thanks for being on the show, Tim. It was, uh, it was great. And, uh, the little nuggets of wisdom that you uh, passed on to uh, us lowly podcasters will not be forgotten. Thank you very much, and it's great. A lot of fun uh, being on the show. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, okay, uh, Prof, and should thanks we... To Mark, thanks to Mark Marin too. I didn't know he was on this podcast. That's <laughs> 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 Um uh, Hey, uh, Prof, should we send it out with the jagged thought? No, yeah. You want you want to you say sit it out or send it out. Sit, sit on it. Hey. No, you can give you can give us your <laughs> jacket thought for the week. All right, all right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so that, uh, before we do though, this has been uh, a collaboration of Oddball Magazine and JP Lime Productions. Please come check us out at JP Lime on Twitter and Instagram, and at JP Lime Productions on YouTube and Facebook. You can also find this podcast on YouTube on SoundCloud, and then from SoundCloud on iTunes and Stitcher. So we are pretty much everywhere you want to be on the internet. But employed. But employed. <laughs> <laughs> true. Right. Quite true. 
uh, Tim, it was a real pleasure. Uh, Tim Gager, thanks for being on the show. Um, hopefully we'll have you on again uh, when the Celtics uh, drop off Kelly Olenek at the airport and <laughs> pick up Kevin Durant. We'll do it. Um, this is uh, Jagged Thought 165, Vagabond in Kingdom Come. Where are we today? Where are we in this dream? Are we in the rapid eye movements of God? Are God's feet restless with angels? What is this pendulum swinging beneath my feet? In the city where the lovers see. The sea blind to waves of poverty. The sidewalks littered with flowers in a state frozen in infamy. The beauty is trapped in cold seats, computer keys, trapped in memories. Remembering frozen city sidewalks and something cold wanting to be free. A memory in a microwave warm me up something else, refresh me like my morning coffee. The city of lights was never blind to me. In a world set apart from one pathetic sea, a cloudy mystery, gloomy ministry, God seems to wander. Breathless in the city of wandering artists, in a city of perfect nothingness, free me. Free me from the endless deserts, show me the oceans of industry. Show me the hollow cave. Give me light. Illuminate me. Let me wander, always wandering. Vagabond and kingdom come. One day finding somewhere to rest my feet. <laughs> Thank you, Prof. And, and that was uh, Jagged Thought 165, Vagabond and Kingdom Come and... This has been the Oddball Show, and I'd like to thank Tim Gager, uh, Prof. That was he was a fun guest, wasn't he? I liked him a lot. Yeah, he was great. I mean, I, I got to say, this was a top-notch podcast. And uh, go uh, read his book, bitches. Go, go read his book, and uh, a lot of valuable wisdom. If you if you rewind past half of that uh, Celtics talk, uh, there was a lot of smart stuff he was talking about. <laughs> so uh, me just ranting about Kelly Olynyk is not going to change anything. So, so our viewers should make sure to re- rewind the podcast before they start playing it. Yeah, rewind the podcast. If you got uh, to this rewind point it. of the podcast. Turn it Rewind over. it and start it over. Start over the podcast. Turn okay. this podcast to side two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At the at the beep. I was waiting I, for the beep. All right, guys, <laughs> this is then the Oddball Show podcast uh, with uh, me and Prof and Tim Gager. Thanks for uh, listening, and uh, we'll see you real soon, all right? Be good to each other. This is the Oddball Show, a podcasting collaboration for Kingdom Productions and Oddball Magazine.